It's recording. Recording? All right. What's good? Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi This is me, Kamar. And uh, we're back with another podcast. A little bit late, but we're back. And I'm with my boy, as usual, Fahad. And today, we got a very interesting guest. He is an African-American revert. He's been Muslim for, what, 20, 25 years, I think. And he, he practices polygyny. Some people hate him. Some people love him. But it's a very unique uh, lifestyle. And he also he has a lot of YouTube videos on, uh, on personal development and specifically intergender dynamics. So uh, welcome to the show, Abu American. Assalamu alaikum. Good to be here. Thank you for having me. Did I, uh, yeah, did I present I'm, you? I'm, I'm the guy that uh, people love to hate or hate to love. One of the two. <laughs> hate to love. <laughs> good. Uh, so, yeah, so I just want to start off with, uh, well, you know, with the biggest thing that you're probably known for, polygyny, right? And uh, what made you decide that lifestyle was for you? And, you know, what are, what are the benefits and cons you've noticed in your life? Well, what made me decide it? Uh, it became an active decision like four years ago, five years ago. But when I review my life, I've always been polygynous. It's just been something I've always done, even before I became Muslim. You know, when I was a young man, I was uh, quite prolific with the ladies in terms mm -hmm. of like getting around. So um, I think it became a conscious decision about four years ago after I went through some, you know, some, you know, drama and turmoil with women. And mm -hmm. um, I found that being the good guy, and following the rules never had a real cash out or a payout for you. So I, was mm -hmm. like, I might as well just get what I want if uh, you know if there's not going to be any sort of reward for following the rules and being a good boy. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. a lot of Muslims, our, our, our audience is mainly Muslim, and they might say, well, shouldn't a Muslim be good? So could you maybe like shed some light on what, like, what you mean by that? Like, what does it mean? What I mean is like, you know, just following the, the modern day uh, female-centric, we'll call from this point on, gynocentric mentality in Western society for both Muslims and non-Muslims, mm -hmm. that being a monogamous man is the right thing to do, and that makes you, like, you know, the ideal man in the eyes of society. But it just is really not, you know. It's just following a script that uh, panders to female insecurity. And so I gave up the idea of being a good boy in terms of like being monogamous and just playing by female rules, you know, instead of playing by the rules that women set and what they need, and what they want, I decided to go for what I want, what I need. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And for disclaimer for everyone else watching, Abu Merkin, he's like a practicing conservative Muslim man. So he's doing this, you know, like he's a uh, married to his women, right? And you fulfill, he fulfills all the rights. Right. Yeah, yeah halal. I'm, I'm, I'm a halal homie, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, so, yeah, you're allowed it. Uh, but, like, yeah. So, uh, so, so, yeah, so basically, what, uh, from what I understand is you stopped, you stopped following what society was saying you should do and just did. As long as a lot, you know, this is halal. Allah's made it halal as long as you follow the rules. So, as long as I'm doing that, you know, why not? Right? Essentially, that was it. I mean, you got to imagine, we're following the script in terms of monogamy. We're following the script from the same people who, like, you know, instituted gay marriage and, uh, and, and you know, multiple genders and just all sorts mm -hmm. of other stuff. So, you know, uh, Do you think determining what's right or wrong, what's good guy, bad guy, we can't take the script from those guys, man. That's, that's not, you know, it's not on. Do you think that's partially the reason, at least culturally speaking, why uh, even in the Muslim world today, people tend to find uh, polygyny rather distasteful, even in the Muslim world? You think that's part of the reason? 
Why? Like, why is it still distasteful? Like a lot of like we know Kojini Sunnah, but still Muslim women still have issues with it, you know, or even men too sometimes. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's been known that women have a problem with issue, uh, or excuse me, have an issue with polygyny for quite some time. I mean, Aisha Reddy Anha was was you know known for her jealousy, um, yeah. but it didn't allow her to put her per- personal uh, you know issues in terms of her jealousy for her husband, you know, um, to interfere with her following the Sunnah and following the religion, which was polygyny. You know, mm-hmm. she never tried to forbid it or, you know, have it written in a contract or anything like this. Or, you know, she didn't You know, find no narrations after the death of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where Aisha, radiallahu anha, was telling the people, you know, to eschew and avoid polygyny. So polygyny has always been an issue with women, but you, you find that the women of the past were never ones who promoted going against it. This is more of a modern thing. And I, in my humble opinion, this is just, this is a type of imitation of the kufar. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we're people, we understand that the dunya, this worldly life is just a test and a trial. And everybody's test and trial comes in a different way. You know, just because you don't see a person struggling with it doesn't mean they don't have one. With women, it's an obvious one. It's polygyny. It's going to be very obvious that polygyny oh. is going to be a test and a trial. You know? That's a, yeah. That's a very interesting and, way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And excuse me while I rant on here for a second. And we know also that the more Allah loves a person, the more he tests them. But we find our sisters trying to avoid the test, which is a proof of Allah's love. What? <laughs> you got to ask yourself how we're going to take signals from people who think like that. <laughs> you know, it's your duty as a man to lead the way. And these women, you know, you can't, you can't put them in charge or you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a tough life, man. Yeah. Well, exactly. What about those people who say like you have? I'm sorry. You follow her program and go monogamous, dude. You, you you have a menstrual cycle just like her then. <laughs> when she's on her period, so are you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess okay, <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. You're good, you're good. You're good. Uh, what was I gonna say? So yeah, so I guess this would lead to a different question. Yeah. Um, so like from your experiences, you know, what are the like, I guess this is what this is what I wanted to touch on earlier, but like from your experiences, you decided to go polygynous. And then what have you noticed, like, you know, going from monogamous to polygynous, the, you know, the pros and cons, basically, of it? Man, there's a lot to cover in that. But let me, okay, the pros, the pros, of course, um, you have multiple women and women, they, they, when they love you, they love very deeply. And it's, it's a very, it's a very nice thing to experience, you know. Um, there's been a sort of a crossover from my channel into like the Red Pill world. And you'll find that a lot of guys are pretty bitter and angry at women. And um, that's because they put this idealistic love upon women, you know, that's, it's not realistic. And when you, when you let go of that idea and you just love women for what they are, not what you'd like them to be. Oh man, it's, it's wonderful, man. And then you get that multiple times. That's an amazing thing. You know, it's not only about, the bedroom is not only about, you know, what can happen there. That's a, that's a, that's a positive thing also. That's great. But, you know, I mean, um, women love in a unique way and I'm not going all purple pill softy on guys. It's just the reality. Mm-hmm. You know, the cons, the cons, if you don't have a very solid frame control of your relationships, dude, you're going to suffer. You, you're not going to go between two lambs. You're going to go between two wolves and you're, you're going to struggle. You know, there's a cost factor involved, but that's going to be in life in general. It's a matter of like, you know, 
uh, just being ingenuitive, I guess. In, in, anyway, being uh, original in, in, in uh, you know, resource creation and whatnot, if you want to consider that to be a con. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's not, I don't really complicate it more than that. That's, I'd say, my basic pros and cons for me. What about the finances? Right? So a lot of brothers, I guess this would depend on where you live, but that probably has an impact, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, finances in terms of like where you live are, are a big deal. Uh, you know, I'm working on location independence in terms of my income so that I can live in like a, a more inexpensive country uh, mm-hmm. with the same lifestyle. But if you're living in somewhere like London or Berlin or some major city, dude, it's, you're going to get wrecked. Yeah, you're gonna you're just gonna work to be married, and you know, <laughs> you know, if you're especially if you're young, you know, you wanna you wanna start looking at ways of like making multiple streams of income, so that uh, you just in general, you know, uh, so that you can finance your lifestyle. Period, whether it's religious or not, you know. So, in your experience, would you say, um, in summary, at least, frame control is probably the most um, important aspect of uh, I guess controlling yeah. your uh, controlling your relationship as well as within poly- between monogamous relationships and polygynous relationships. It's everything, monogamous or polygynous. If you don't have frame control monogamously, you can forget the idea of polygynously. And polygynously, you can't lose frame control at all because whoever you lose frame, you might have perfect rock solid frame control with one woman and not with the other one. And the one you don't have control with is the one that's running the relationship, not you. Right. So. And uh, for our viewers, they might not know what frame control exactly is. So what exactly is frame control? It's where the man is the center and focal point of the relationship in terms of things that happen. Let's just say it like that. Your everything, uh, it's, it's easier to give an example of, I think. Okay, then provide an anecdote. I generally don't have arguments in, in in my house. In general, you know, it's impossible to say that you can you're not gonna ha- you're gonna have zero arguments. But in general, if I decide something, that's it. The frame is mine. Is it? Oh, I want ice cream today. I'm like, no, I'm not getting ice cream. We're getting cake, and it's it's cake. You know, of course, it goes in the deeper. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> ice cream cake. But as a example, you know, that's just what it is. And everybody's happy with cake. They're not just, you know, like, oh, okay, it's cake. Mm. No. It's like, oh, okay, wow, we're going to get cake. And then when you go get cake, you give them some ice cream on top of the cake. But, you know, it's basically having the decision-making, uh, being the, 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 the center point of the entire relationship. She becomes uh, an, uh, an accessory to your life and not the focal point of your life. And believe it or not, that's what most women want. They want to live in the orbit of a high value man. They want to you go. They want to be with you when you go there. And they want to shine because you shine. Your value as a man reflects on her value. So she wants to just come along for the ride. You know, Rich Cooper said something. I'm going to try and uh, make it halal friendly. Put <laughs> 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 in a way that's not really halal friendly. But he says, you know, Women don't care about the race. They just waited the finish line to get with the winners. They don't care about anything else. And when you're the winner and, you know, they're doing whatever they do and they're popping their bottles and whatever else, they want to stand there smiling, you know, with that goofy look on their face next to that man. 
That's the frame. <laughs> along for your ride. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I hope that was clear. Yeah. <laughs> that was very clear. <laughs> so, okay. anyways, uh, so yeah, it's onto the next question. And I was thinking about this. Uh, Father and I were talking about this earlier. So, so a lot of brothers, right? Like, I guess not everyone, like, not every man can pull off polygyny. And there's also women that are like against it. So, like, mm-hmm. what are the, I guess, like, like, what are the qualities a guy should look for in a wife or a spouse? Like, polygynous or monogamous? Like, you know, what are the non-negotiables that you have to, you know, look for? And then later on, we'll cover uh, if there are any particular qualities that are specific for polygynous relationships. Okay. Well, let, let me jump on the first part and then remember the question for me because I'm probably going to get lost and forget the question. Right. But let All me right. just jump on one thing. Um, yeah. There's women who are against polygyny. There's women who are against polygyny for certain men. Let there be no question about it that every woman will be open to polygyny if you're the right guy. Mm -hmm. But if you're not that guy, she's not going to jump into it. Let there be no doubt that any woman and every woman, I'll say this confidently, every and any woman will jump on board with polygyny for a very high value man. That's the first thing. Secondly, every man is capable of it, but not every man has the temerity or the heart for it. You know, I used to have an MMA club and I could teach guys to fight, but I couldn't teach guys to be a fighter. Yeah. I can teach this stuff about polygyny and frame, but you can't put heart in a guy. The guy's just got to have the heart. The, yeah. the raw material is there in every single man. But as to whether or not he's going to, you know, reach down and grab himself, you know. Yeah, he's like, going to have to do it himself. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's like it's all like I guess inner game is the word. Right? Yeah, inner game exactly. And I made a video a while back about that. Um, that you know, it starts with yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. before you go into polygyny, you got to work on yourself. You know, yeah, so your mission and you know defining your yeah. values and that's wanted- a pretty old video. It's got to be an over a year old now. So yeah, yeah. So they, yeah, that would require like yeah deep work. Yeah. So anyways, I guess this uh, before we go to the next question. Uh, I didn't actually answer a question. You asked me something about like what conditions or something. What was it? Yeah. So like like uh, I guess what are the what are like some positive qualities to vent for, right? Like I know it's going to differ from every man, but like you know as as Muslims, there's probably there's some general qualities that you know. If you actually wait wait backtrack to the original question. The original question was um, what are some of like the positive like the positive qualities that you need to look for when vetting for a wife, right? Mm. Um. And what are some of the things like the red flags that you're trying to avoid when you're betting for a wife? Right. Well, you know, being Muslims, we're obviously going to first and foremost, you know, firstly use, uh, you know, Islamic principles for looking for a wife. Is she, is she practicing in the first place? You know, I mean, don't try and like, you know, convert a non-hijabi into a hijabi. You know, I mean, she might do it. She might not. Yeah, you just don't even want to go there. You don't even mess with that type of stuff. You know, if she's not praying, if she's not on the basics of her religion, it's just... You might as well just, you know, trash that all together, no matter how much, she, you know, she wants you and desires you or whatever else. Or she, you know, proclaims and professes she spoke to a wali about you. This is just a waste of time. You know, you're accountable for that woman in front of the law. You don't, that's just, you know. Yeah. Your dean's on a, the line. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the first things you want to look for. Um, next, after you get past that, it's a matter of, is there a true want and desire? Does she see you as that guy? And that is a little bit more difficult to figure out, but that's what you need to figure out. Mm. If you're that guy, then everything else is going to come easy. You know, um, 
one of the first guys I ever started reading up on was uh, this guy, Coach Corey Wayne. He had a book called, or he has a book called The 3% Man. And his theory is that 97% of men don't understand women and 3% men do. 3% of the men in the world do. And his book was like, you know, basically how to become a 3% man. And, um, you know, something he said in there that is very true and I've come to find to be very true is that when a woman has a desire for you, she opens doors for you. And when she doesn't, you know, she just closes the doors. Now, you guys know I listen to Rolo Tomasi and I read his books also. Rolo has a different wording for it. He says women make rules uh, for betas and they break rules for alphas. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, you yeah. know. This transcends religion. So you want to find that sister who opens the doors for you and makes it easy for you. If she's ducking and dodging about contacting a Wally, because we understand it doesn't automatically go through the Wally these days. We understand that, like, you know, yeah. diversity, they work together, whatever else, and interest grows like it does, you know, and it's, it's probably not the best way, but it is a way that happens nowadays. Yeah. If she's and dodging on these type of things to, like, close the deal, ugh, you understand where you stand. Yeah, it's You're one-sided. Fighting for free attention and nothing else. And she's going to ride that out, you know, as much as she can. So, you know, bet for that type of behavior and whatnot, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess to touch on uh, yeah, to, to touch on the point you made earlier a bit, like, you're talking about bar none, like, any woman would be would be down to marry, to be polygynous with a man, um, mm-hmm. as long as he's the right man, correct? So, yep. that means if a man wanted to be monogamous, like, because like, there are brothers out there, and whether they want to admit it or not, that's, if they want to be monogamous, it needs to be on their terms, right? Yes. Like, like if they like if they could get another girl, they should be able to. Like if they're not planning a polygynous lifestyle, they should have the ability to attract someone else. Absolutely, monogamy is on the man's term. You gotta imagine. You, you know, you are expected as a man, or religiously required as a man, to cater to a woman in every way possible. Yeah. So that means the terms of the relationship should be on yours. I mean, you're 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 gonna have to cater to her financially. Um. Uh, you're going to have to cater to her, you know, uh, emotionally. You have to take care of her in all ways. So that means the frame of the relationship has to be yours. It has to be. I mean, <laughs> what are you doing otherwise? Yeah. Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. so, so you were saying that um, some of the things that you're supposed to look for is, for example, Dean, that's, that's pretty obvious. And then um, you're supposed to uh, look for... Like she's supposed to be making doors for you or like trying to get you in contact with her Wally ASAP. Yeah. Making things easy for you. Yeah. Exactly. And then uh, what are some other uh, qualities or like positive qualities or red flags that uh, a man should look out for? I mean, red flags in this day and age. Good God, man. There's so many. I, I mean, <laughs> or if you would, perhaps if you would elaborate on the positive qualities that would just bring light in to the negative qualities. Like, what are you supposed to look for? And then... From a personality perspective, I guess is what you're talking about. You know, I mean, everything you can find, basically, in terms of, you know, the ideologies that I've studied and just, you know, we've modernized, you can find in the sunnah. Like, the woman who always talks about her ex. You know, you'll find sisters that are, like, 100% untouched virgins, you know, and they will be alpha widows. They had some sort of emotional relationship with a guy. You know, some guy they called a boyfriend or whatever else, you know, they didn't kiss, hold hands, nothing like this. But oh, she you're right about this. <laughs> such love with the idea of who this guy was that it wrecks and ruins 
any any sort of uh, potential for a good relationship for the next guy that comes along because she's so idealized the guy before her, you know, or the guy before you, excuse me. Um, so this this is like a major red flag type of behavior, you know. It's just like really pay attention to this type of stuff, you know. Is she pining over somebody, you know? Uh, how is she when she goes in public? How is her social media? The two are interconnected, you know. Images means a lot to women, you know. How they look and how they portray themselves is it important to her on social media to be seen with like a particular filter at a particular angle? Because you, you then you understand that when she's got that perfect picture. She had to take about 8,000 pictures to get that one. And that is a person who was just obsessed, you know, with attention, with, uh, with uh, yeah, how she's portrayed in public. And what you're going to end up doing with a woman like that, if you look at her social media, is you're going to end up competing with the world of men for the attention of your woman. She is going to be so obsessed with outside attention that what you can provide her in terms of attention and you know what you have to offer you're not going to be able to compete with the world and you don't want to be in that position either because you're not going to measure up to the world i don't care how boss hog whatever they want to call it how much money you have what type of car you drive what sort of job or business you work in you are not going to be able to compete with the with the social deference of 1500 guys it's just not it's not going to happen. So look out for stuff like that. That's one of the biggest things to look for in the 21st century is that social media on these sisters, man. You know? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point that you made. Because I think Islamically, when practiced properly, we notice that with, you know, with uh, both genders being, you know, keeping their distance, you know, not being in khalwa, you know, or even like online, you, you know, keeping themselves, being aware of themselves. If you follow the rules of Islam, ideally, you know, your wife should gain attention from her husband and the husband should look for, you should look at his wife, right? Or wives. Yeah. Right? So if Islam is followed properly, then we can avoid such issues. But in today's age, oh, this is like an additional red flag, like you said, to watch out for with social yeah. media. Yeah, for sure. And that's something you gotta look out for yourself too. You know, checking out them sisters online and all that stuff. There's some beautiful sisters out there, man. You end up looking at your wife all cross-eyed, man. You know, you can't get caught up in that stuff. You gotta avoid that as, as yeah. a man. Well, Lori okay. Gage, definitely. That's straight up thirst trap, man. It'll mess you up. It'll mess your head up. Yeah. Would you say it's more important um, if she's already married or if she's not married, like, um, in, with regards to social media? Does that Wait, make what sense? What do you mean? So, like, what I'm trying to say is that if she has a social media prior to marriage and versus having a social media after she's married, does that actually make the difference or not? Like, for example, um, like, some sisters would have social media um, just prior to getting married, but then after they get married, they would just like shut it down. And that's that probably depends. Okay, it, it, you gotta you gotta understand this. What is pornography to men is social media to women. How so? Because each one gets something out of it. Men men are visual, and we get like that dopamine rush and high from the idea, whether it's real or not, of access to multiple women. Men like that idea. That's why porn is so successful. Men have no defense against it because literally it's visual access to multiple women. It's visual easy access to multiple women. And men have very little defenses against it because we're so visual and we have never 
we I don't think you know a, a lot of designers for that. You know, to just sit there and like you know have all this visual. Well, we know, and that's why we're told to lower our gaze. You know, probably along those yeah, lines. Yeah, definitely, probably. And for women, social media feeds into their need and desire for attention. Because what is addictive to men by way of visualization and pornography is addiction to women by way of attention through social media. That draw is always there. If a guy, that's like saying, what you just said is like saying, a guy, he's watching porn, you know, constantly and steadily. And when he gets married, he's going to stop. <laughs> you think he's going to stop when he gets married? No, he's not. It's, it's an addiction. He might be able to stop. He might. He might. But he shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. And it's the same thing with women. It's just because of the femme-centric West, it's become acceptable for women to just go on social media and throw themselves out there. And it's become unacceptable for men to go out and, like, you know, openly watch porn while on, while on the underground, you know? But really, it's the same thing, you know, when we look at it, you know, from a, a biological and a social aspect between the genders. So the idea that she's going to get married and just pop off social media, uh, that's very, very uh, doubtful. Very doubtful. You can maybe right. through frame control how it's used, but if she's going to give it up, I, I find that mm, someone have to show me like several uh, uh, examples of this before I believe it's possible. I'd have to see more than one example. I'd have so to where I'm like, okay, this is norm. It's not an exception. I'd have to see that. Right. Like. Yeah, so like a private, like a private social media account, no pictures. That would be different than a girl like, you know, just kicked up in makeup twenty four seven. I mean, my girl's got social media and it's public, but you won't find pictures of them on there. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, no pictures. That's a, that's like a. That's None a of the women folks in my family do that. You know, even my ex wife. I just consistently have you know picked women who are like this. They just don't put. Yeah. Themselves. Yeah. My, my parents, yeah, were the same. Like. It makes my sense, sister, yeah. You know, and that's just, my sister's not even Muslim. So it's like, it's just oh, not wow. the way of my people, you know, the people that I choose to be around in terms of women. So, yeah. I remember actually in the Quran, there was this one verse regarding, uh, like, how women should not uh, have or stomp in the marketplace and show their adornments. Yes, like in the ways or in the times of Jahiliya. Yeah. So how, would you say that kind of has some relationship to the behavior we see today? Man, that sounds, I mean, you just dropped that, and that's like, that just hit me like, wow, yeah, that like, that's perfect, man. Allah knows us better than we know ourselves, subhanAllah. Yeah, man, you, you can't argue with that, man. That's like, that is perfectly fitting, you know, because that's a jahad behavior, man. You know, what are you doing as a woman in general, putting yourself out there like that and then complaining about how guys come at you, you know? And, in a, you know, you a Muslim, well, come on, man. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit shifting the topic, but it, it's along the same lines that uh, is holding, like for a woman, is holding egalitarian beliefs about a marriage a potential red flag? Because um, these egalitarian beliefs over time, uh, if you are persuasive enough, they can be eroded. Am I not right? I mean, because ide uh, human yeah. nature trumps ideology, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an egalitarian and, uh, you know, sisters, any sister who listens to this is going to, is going to freak out. No, if you have an egalitarian marriage, dude, you, oh my, oh, may Allah aid you. I mean, you know, 
No, I think you you misunderstood my. Uh, no, my... I, no, I didn't misunderstand. I'm just about to go off though. <laughs> oh, okay, Bismillah. <laughs> okay, this is going to be real controversial. Even some men are going to have some problem with what I'm about what I'm about to say. But uh, I feel humbly that you know the Quran and the Sunnah confirm this. Women are males' biological superiors, but men are females' functional superiors. And when you have a relationship, the functional superior is the one that runs the show. Because at the end of the day, no matter how many degrees these sisters get, no matter what hospital, doctor she's at, whatever else, she has the solid expectation that her man is going to pay the bills, take care of everything. And what does that put him in? That puts him in a functionally superior position. You are not egalitarian if you're doing that. It, there's, you're not, you don't have it. Egalitarianism is just like a ploy. It's like a okie doke that you fell for to have you do the dishes and whatever else. It's not, no. No, egalitarianism, it doesn't exist. Because when it comes down to the safety, the security, you know, anything yeah. major in the household or in the family, you are expected to come up as a, as a man, be a man, and make things happen. Right, we're, we're along, right? So, where's the egalitarianism? Right. It's not that she even confirms it in her behavior. It's just she's trying to control the frame of the relationship to meet her internal, uh, what do you call it, insecurity and her need and her desire to try and like resolve that issue. That means she doesn't have confidence in you as a man if she's looking for egalitarianism. That means I don't trust you to the point that I would just blindly close my eyes and let you lead me wherever I want to go. I need to have some control here. Right. So Any talk of egalitarianism is a huge red flag. You're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm done. She don't trust you. She's looking for something, but it's not you. Maybe it's something you can provide, but you as an individual and as a man, ugh, no. But wouldn't, like, I would still make the argument that wouldn't, uh, these egalitarian beliefs ever be persuaded out of the other person because human nature doesn't it trump over um, ideology well, you mean the woman like persuading the woman you know, so, out of yeah. the like for example like we know that um, a lot of sisters nowadays at least young ones are persuaded by uh, western influence by western, by Liberalism, western feminism yeah and you know You'd be amazed at how fast that feminism flies out the window when the right guy comes along. They yeah, stop. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of pre-selection. You know, pre-selection guys talk about game and this, that, the other. You know, and it is important to have that. But it's like pre-selection is everything. That woman sees you, and within seconds, she's like, "Holy smokes, that guy, mashallah!" And she's gonna, <laughs> she's gonna do what it takes to holler at you. And if she knows or she sniffs that you don't like feminists. And she's a feminist. You know what she's going to do? She's going to stop being a feminist. She's going to have pigtails and little curlies and be a little all girly all of a sudden. You know? Oh, my gosh. I'm just such this innocent little girl. And she's going to, no, she's going <laughs> to drop all that for the right guy. You know? So her adoption of feminism. So is that a red flag or not really? In your, in your final. Uh... Feminism is a huge red flag. I've never, and I will stand by this. I've never seen a sister who picked up feminist ideologies who would surrender feminist ideology when it's in contradiction to the book and the Sunnah. 
they always pick feminist ideology. Or what they do is they start making ta'wil, meaning they start twisting the religion to try and make it fit their twisted feminist ideal. But they have never, I've never seen a sister outright, flat out reject and say, hey, you know what, this is an idea of feminism or feminism that I can't get on with because of Islam. And so, you know, I have to abandon this idea, even though I'm, I'm still a feminist. I've never seen a feminist sister do it. They, they will try and, like I said, beat around the bush. They will outright reject the book or the sunnah, in, in, you know, for their feminist ideas, or they'll try and twist the religion to make it try and fit inside that funky feminist box. But I've never, not one time in my life, seen a sister online reject feminism and say, hey, you know what, this opposes the book and the sunnah, and I'm on team book and the sunnah. Never seen it. Feminism is a huge red flag. It's a walk away for me. That's like, yo, you, okay, bye. You know, that's, mm -mm. Yeah, that would yeah, definitely be a red flag, I guess. I think, like, because what Fahad was trying to get at was, could that person be persuaded? And then you answered it earlier by saying, like, yeah, for the right guy, of course. But generally, you want to avoid having to, you know, do work. You want, like, the, you want the base qualities to be there, right? The, the less influenced she is by, like, you know, gynocentric, you know, non-Islamic ideologies, the better yeah. it is for you. Easier it's going to be. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is going to segue a little bit differently now to a different topic. So what are the qualities, uh, you know, and you've, you've had multiple relationships, some have failed, some have succeeded, currently you're successful. What are the qualities you think that, you know, as Muslim, as men and Muslim men that we need to have and embody for a relationship to work? So like, for example, in the past, or in, for the previous question, my bad, um, we talked about what qualities we should look for in, um, in women and what red flags exist in women. So now we're trying to shift it over to the guys. So what kind of qualities should guys try to embody? Woo, okay. Well, you gotta be the master of yourself first. You know, that's the first thing, master yourself. You know, you can't, um, you can't uh, be in doubt or confusion about, you know, who you are, where you're going, what you want in life, and then hope to like bring somebody on board in that madness of your life. If you don't know what you're doing and what you want as a man, if you don't have your mission, you know, you, you don't drag anybody else into your confusion. Figure it out. That's the first thing. Figure out who and what you are, what you want to accomplish, and what you want to do, and then make it a goal. Don't make it a dream. You know, set a deadline and make things happen and start going in that direction. That's the first thing you want to do, I think, in my humble opinion. Master yourself. Yes, it gives you a focus and a drive, you know. And if you're unfocused, if you're undriven, if you don't have – you don't have to be, like, you know, a doctor or whatever else. You know, you could be a regular dude. But always make sure you're striving for something. I know guys, they're, they're awesome dudes. They're, they're security guards. They're never going to be any more than a security guard. But these guys are focused and they're always working on something, you know? And when you look at them, they've always got something going on in their life that's like, mashallah, that brother pulled a hat trick out, you know? It's like, you know? So you want to make sure you have something going on in your life. Um, that's the first thing. Be number principled. One. Huh? I was going to say, yeah. And so in summary, number one is your mission. Yeah, your mission. Of course, as Muslims, that's easy for us. There's an easy one because your mission's, you know, Jannah. So as long as you're striving, in, you know, upon the religion, that's that's already on its own. Uh, is a massively difficult work, and if you yeah. get even, uh, you know, a modicum of success, you're gonna you're gonna be a highly focused, highly driven guy. You know, um, but the success of the law, we don't know how that's gonna turn out until you're dead. But if you're striving, then it, it makes a difference on who you are as an individual and your character. You know, it shows. 
on the outside. You know, um, yeah, you were saying be principled, right, for the second one? Yeah, be principled. Um, <laughs> that's a little difficult one to actually carry on. I was actually going to skip over that one. I was kind of hoping you missed that one because being principled <laughs> really falls under Islamic principles also. <laughs> okay, we can skip that next. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I didn't get it. Oh, I just no, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking whether or not I should go into it. Yeah, yeah. Just it's that's another one that falls under the print, you know, under under the under the the umbrella of Islam. So it's an easy one right now for us if we if we take on the basic uh, understanding that Muslims discussing, you know, this from a perspective of of Islam and Muslims, then being principled also is an easy one. What comes next? Uh, money, guys. You know, this comes part of back to being part of your mission. Um, money. If you monogamous or polygynous, it's expensive to have a family. You know, if you're if you're gonna have a family, if you want to do, even if you're not living like you know in a in your own custom, you know, uh, Venetian leather sofas or whatnot, you know, you're gonna want to make hot. You know, you're gonna want to do things with your with your wife and your family. You're gonna have children, inshallah. Make sure you're focused. Yeah. Also, in terms of your money, you don't make it the focus of your life, of course, because, you know, the life is a vehicle, Jannah is the goal, but it isn't, we do live in the dunya, and you want to make sure that you're not running from one emergency to the next and whatnot, you know, that you're just struggling along, and then you get married, and there's no plan or hope of making Hajj one day, you know, that's just, make sure you've got the money right, you know, or you're looking for a way to get your money right, uh, that can be part of your mission. Uh, what else is with you guys? Internal fortitude, man. Um, you got to have that internal fortitude. I don't know. Did we cover that fortitude? I mean, we, we kind of mentioned inner game, but okay, yeah, internal fortitude is more specific. Yeah, you I yeah it's like we should make that separate to inner game. Women are going to constantly congruence test you. You know, did I make the right decision? Is this the right guy? And what, every once in a while, she's going to throw out a congruence test. And if you don't have like you know that internal fortitude to to weather that you're gonna crack at the first the first uh, congruence test she throws at you, and your relationship's gonna fall apart. And I don't know if anybody's noticed, but I I don't think in the history of Islam and Muslims have we seen so many single mothers in the Ummah, except after a battle or a war which literally wiped out the men and killed them in battle. We have never seen this many single mothers. And that comes from so many divorces left and right where women are jumping out of relationships, men are jumping out of relationships. And this is because dudes don't have the fortitude. And I'm not trying to blame the men only. There are issues on the women's side of the game. But most of it can be solved with male inner fortitude. She's looking for to you to be that rock in that mountain, that anchor to the relationship. If you don't have that internally, man, it's like being on a boat in a storm without an anchor. You're just all over the place. You know, the relationship is the boat. The emotion is her storm. And you're supposed to be the anchor. And you like you, you cut the anchor and you're down at the bottom of the ocean looking at the ship like, oh, oh, why is everything going wrong? You know, no. You know, if you don't have that internal fortitude to hold things down, then, um, you know, you, you, you're going to you're going to struggle. And just to stick with that analogy, it's like sometimes, yes, it's necessary to make a new port of harbor. That means sometimes you got to let that sister go because she's just, she's nothing but storm, you know, and there's no calm. So, but most of the time you find that 
you know, um, if you weather the storm and if you vet that woman right from the beginning, you're going to spare yourself a lot of those problems. So this is part of like, you know, being principled also. And this is what I didn't want to get into. It's like, don't, you know, we got, I wasn't always Muslim. There was this old boy to men, I think it was a Belle Biv DeVoe song, Never Trust a Big Button to Smile. You know, brothers <laughs> get lost. In, <laughs> brothers get lost in these beautiful sisters. These sisters, man, they, they're really good at like, you know, doing up the hijabi or whatever and, and getting the clothes just tight and just right. And dudes get lost in that. And they never stop to think about like, you know, the train wreck of a woman she is, you know, to go out like that. And then once they get married to her, it's like, oh my gosh. You know, so this is part of being principled. Don't lose your principles, just, you know. Just, yeah, just for a girl. Don't throw all yeah. everything out of the way. Exactly. Like, oh, it's okay. She'll start wearing hijab one day. It's okay. She'll probably start <laughs> praying. Like, bro, she's not. <laughs> no, it's not, no. I, I married one of those women, man. I married, like, a supermodel-looking chick, mashallah. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, they don't change. Yeah. Yeah. So, for the guys, that's that's the basics, you know. Yeah. I think you mentioned everything. So we, we talked about mission, we talked about being principal, we talked about money, we talked about internal fortitude. Yeah. What about, like, um, like uh, would you suggest physicality as well? Like some sort of wrestling, some sort of yes. weightlifting? I mean, if you want, okay, if you want to add that in there, yes, absolutely. I say it more than once, and I say it all the time, and I think guys have seen it, you know, um, always do a combat sport, dude. And when I say combat sport, man, don't go do no karate or nothing, man. <laughs> you know? You know, they're just like breaking boards, you know, like Bruce Lee said, boards don't hit back. Do boxing, do Muay Thai, do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, something that actually forces you to spar. Now, of course, we have like rules about hitting to the face or whatnot in Islam. Some brothers have said that, you know, from, you know, there's a permissibility to boxing because, you know, you're not striking bare knuckles and whatnot, whatever else. I don't know. I don't want to get into that conversation. What my point is, get into a sport, a combat sport that makes you face and fight other men constantly. It's going to change you as an individual. It's going to change the way you walk in society. It's going to change the way the way you behave towards everyone. You know, even though you don't do it, when I walk around my job, I walk in there and I know without a doubt, I'm looking at this guy who's about seven months pregnant, and that's about how big his belly is. And I'm like, I know I will choke you out or I will knock you out, nothing flat, because I just fought like the state champion, you know, two days ago. And I gave him work. You fat boy, don't get in my face. And when you talk to people, although you're not talking to them with that confrontation, that language, it's there passively. It's there when you stand in front of them and you're like absolutely confident. You'd be amazed at how, how much confidence men lack in this day and age. And when you walk up to them with that idea, it's like, okay, what you got to say, man? What's going on? And you're just looking him dead in the eye and he's talking to you. All of a sudden he's like, uh, yeah, well, uh, I actually didn't have much of a problem. <laughs> but whatever else, it, it changes the way people behave towards you. And that includes women. Women smell that on you. I don't know what it is with women and their intuitiveness in terms of like what a law is put inside of them, but they do pick up on that type of behavior. That this is a guy who's not afraid of anything or anyone. If you've been watching my Twitter, you've seen Tate, that dude Tate something. He's like the world champion kickboxer. And I told him, dude, don't at me. You ain't knocking me out. <laughs> and that guy's got I don't care if he flies over to Germany. I will fight that dude. No joke. So it's like, I'm just saying, it, <laughs> it changes how you are as an individual. And it's, it's healthy. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. You know, that will bring out your true masculinity as a man. And it is an amazing feeling. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, we know Omar Khattar was known for his bravery. Yes. Ali Abu Talib. So. It won't make you a fool, but it will remove your fear of other men. It won't make you, you say a fool. Make you a fool? <laughs> now, some people, some people become foolish, but it's rare. Generally, the person who gets to a, a very decent level of fighting skill, they fought enough to know that another guy can hurt you. But he also understands that I got capabilities also. So you go out into the world and you understand, okay, there's guys out here who can hurt me, but you know, they're far and in between, you know? So it doesn't make you a fool, but it also makes you like exceptionally like it makes you fearless. You know, yeah, that's good. And I've also heard that it makes you more calm. Like a lot of people that, yes. like they they fight. They, I've noticed that like other like I've gone sometimes to a couple classes. I noticed they're very calm. Like, yes. Like they have nothing to prove. You know. Like, yes. It's a type of catharsis. There's a reason why all those school shootings take place. I guarantee you all those school shootings in America, I guarantee you not one of those kids was in some sort of combat sport. I guarantee you because it's a catharsis. It gives you a place to let out your anger and your aggression as a man. And we need that. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not defective girls. We have testosterone. We need to let that stuff out. You know, we got we to gotta let that aggression out. We got to let that anger out. And if you don't have something to do, if you're not like some, some builder or something, and you're not doing great works that even then require like some sort of physical, you know, uh, expression of what's going on inside. You, you you're gonna end up flipping out and killing somebody, man. You know, you're gonna flip out and hurt yourself, hurt somebody else. You gotta be able to let that stuff out. In combat sports, when we look at the history of man, we are a violent species. It's confirmed in the in the Quran where uh, uh, where it says. What was it the angel said when Adam was created? Said, "Will you create one who uh, who sheds uh, blood upon the earth, or something like this?" Uh, who does yeah. much corruption and like uh, that? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think when you heard tell you what you're talking about. Uh, Our nature. Ask, yeah, like yeah. why would you create these humans that are going to fight amongst each other, kill each other, yeah. and create? Kids Our nature is confirmed in the book of Allah. It's a matter of how can we give a healthy expression of it in this day and age. We don't have our wars. We don't have our battles. Our healthy expression of that is combat sports nowadays yeah and it would also probably make you more kind as well because you're actually kind to a person because you're because mm -hmm. you have strength but you're choosing not to use it yes there's a differentiation between niceness and kindness as a result of you being able to punch a guy in the face yeah well you know i have a video on this very topic where um i talk about the difference between you know being friends and being friendly you know being you know there's a big difference between the two and being friendly should be your status quo as a man. You know, you're just being friendly, being polite. It's, it shows a type of confidence where you, you know, you're not worried about people always walking over you until you always got your defenses up, you know? Um, but that doesn't mean you want to be everybody's friend. It, it fits under the same bill in my humble opinion. You know, it fits under the same category and the same umbrella. Right. So, so far we have, uh, having your mission, being principled, having money, internal fortitude, and uh, getting into some sort of combat sport. So yeah. what, for young Muslim men, what other advice would you give them that likely they wouldn't hear elsewhere? We covered a bunch already. I'm kind of picking don't, everything. Don't listen, don't listen to the vast majority of guys out there about matters of marriage to multiple women if they're not even married or if they only have one wife don't listen to them dudes you know joe ahmed's online talking about this and that he ain't married he's telling you about women he's telling you about marriage 
the, the last woman he touched was his sister. You know, dude don't know nothing about women, man. He's online white knighting for women in the female cause, and he's trying to tell you about him. He doesn't even know how to fight for his own cause. He doesn't even have his own cause. He's telling you about somebody else's. Come on, man. Don't listen to those dudes. There are a million of them dudes out there. There are millions upon millions of brothers out there who will give you advice on, oh, brother, you have to be like this with the woman. You know, you have to be like that. And when you look at the Hadith, when you look at the Sunnah, it's nothing like that. And you're like, who are you talking about? You know? What are you talking about? Don't listen. That's that's the advice I'm going to give you that you're not going to hear anywhere else. 90% of the brothers out there are full of BS, man. 90% of these dudes don't know what they're talking about. They're they're living a dream. They're they're trying to live their life and their life in regards to women according to ideology and not practical experience. And that's going to wreck you. Okay? Don't don't listen to them dudes, man. If that dude doesn't have practical experience, he can't tell you nothing. I'm not saying he's got to go through 8 million or, you know, 8,000 sisters married and divorced 100 times, you know, to get it right. And now you can finally listen to him. Some guys get married one time and it works and you can take his advice. But <laughs> most of these guys ain't even got that. If you pay attention, most of these guys don't have that. Alhamdulillah, I got two relatively, one very, one relatively stable marriage at the same time, polygynously. And that comes from just a lot of experimentation and mistakes. Me attempting to live by ideology and then finding out, you know what, it doesn't work. There are just fixed principles to women and men and their dynamics between each other that, that cannot be changed. And this is something that feminists are going to eventually have to come to the conclusion of also. There's just things that aren't going to change. So don't listen to them. That's, that's advice I'd give you. So you, you referenced the sunnah and you said how it's nothing like what these white knight guys are saying. Yeah. Right. So can you provide an example of how the sunnah is kind of in direct contrast with um, the white knight motif? Yeah. Monogamy. Right. When did that become a thing to the Muslims? <laughs> <laughs> to the Muslims in specific. Because we're Muslims. We're, we're, now we're in a very narrow field. Since when was this a thing? Dudes are out here championing, you know, monogamy, and it's never been a thing for Muslim men. It's never been a thing for us. Not Well, not until recently. Where in the Sunnah do you find it to be even promoted? There was one example that was given. That's it. We find one example with the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu when he was talking about his daughter. And then everybody's using that as the norm. And we've never found anything outside of that exception in the Sunnah. Like I said, you won't find a single rewaya, historical text from Aisha, radiallahu anha, promoting monogamy. You won't find it at all. Where, where is it? So that on its own is proof enough that, you know, there's a contradiction and there's a problem here. You, know? you won't find the women of the past. Not the first three generations, none of them. Where are they? Where are any of the women from the from the Sahaba, Sahabiyat, the Tabi'in, the Tabi'in, whatever the female version of that is, promoting monogamy? Right. You know that on its own should be proof enough. You know, but. Hey. What What do you think? Maybe is like the issue uh, nowadays. Like, why is it? Um, why is there so much white nightery going on? Guys, thinks it's gonna, they, they, they think they're going to they're gonna get something out of it with women. 
they think that's what women want. If I if I agree with her, if I like you know mimic her ideas, you know, and if I if I if I seem like I'm like a really nice guy, she's gonna she's gonna you know see how wonderful of a man I am, and she's gonna want me and this that the other. And that's partially women's fault, you know, because women say they want this type of guy, and I want a guy who's like this, and I want a guy like that. You know, when you pay attention to their pre-selection behavior, they're picking guys that don't fit that bill. Right. You know, a classic example, before we went live, we were talking about my video uh, uh, that I did about, like, Somali sisters arguing with me on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, like, how they always come back to the, to the scene of the crime to get another hit, you know, of attention high. And what happened? I made that video about the method to the madness of what I'm doing. And one of those sisters showed up on my YouTube looking for an argument now she's on my youtube down in the chat section if you go on that video she's in the comment section down there arguing with me i guarantee you all the brothers who came on and started white knighting for like the sisters that i was arguing with she ain't going to their twitter and she ain't going to their youtube channels looking for where those guys are at i guarantee you she's looking for me looking for my attention for a reason she's not looking for the nice guy who agrees with her she wants to come at those guys they want guys that don't women want guys that don't need nor want their validation. That's her job. She wants your validation. That's what she's looking for. When you start acting like that, when guys start acting like that, they start acting like their girlfriends. And guys have confused that. They've believed everything that women said. Oh, he wants a she wants a nice guy who, you know, is her best friend and this, that, the other. No, she doesn't want a best friend, you know. She wants that guy who makes her feel like a woman. She doesn't want that guy that makes her feel like she's sitting with one of her girlfriends, you know, so. Yeah, I think uh, that makes sense. Uh, I think one of the questions Fahad and I had, uh, I don't know if we've covered this, probably not, but like. Did I miss the point there? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Did I miss the point there? Did I I answer that correctly? No, I think that's correct. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Sometimes Uh, I ring it and I lose myself. I I wanted to kind of um, ask as well. Okay, so rather than white nightery, what, uh, positive steps should they take to avoid white nightery in their own behavior? So, like, rather than being a nice guy, yeah. what the, what's the alternative? So it's it's not a matter of you gotta not be a nice guy, but the point is don't 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 take a stance that's not yours. Don't take yeah, a position exactly. that doesn't benefit you. Right. You know, that's, that's the point. You could be a nice guy. There's no, I generally consider myself to be a nice guy. I mean, generally, you know, I don't, I can yeah. be kind of, I can be kind of mean in my, in my trolling online, but <laughs> you know, generally I consider myself to be a nice guy, but I'm not going to take a position or a stance that doesn't benefit me as an individual yeah, or a man, exactly. especially yeah, yeah. if it's not something that's haram. You know, if, if, if it's not haram and it benefits me, I'm not going to take that position or that stance. If I see something that's incorrect or wrong and a woman's doing it just because she's attractive and she's doing it, I'm not going to give her a pass on it. You know, yeah. you're wrong. I'm going to holler at you about it, you know? And that's why I yeah. don't allow them to crap on my Somali brothers because them Somali brothers, like I said in that video, showed me love. And so that's why I have a go with And then guys coming along and then like trying to white knight for women who are crapping on them. Imagine, imagine, I, I can't, I can't think like a woman, but I can only imagine what a woman would think of a guy like that. I was just crapping on you and your kind. And now a guy comes along. He, uh, I'm basically white knighting for the brothers. And then you start protecting me against the guy who's like protecting you. I, does, th- does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? How would a woman view you? 
I'm crapping on you and your kind, and you're on my side. Well, Do you yeah. really think she's going to look at you as a viable option for a relationship? You have no self-dignity. You have no self-pride. What is she going to get from you as a man? Is, yeah. is that... Is, 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 is that the behavior of the guy who's at the finish line in first place? No, it's not. And she wants to be at the finish line with the guy at the first place popping the bottles of non-alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it's like what you said. Uh, don't take a stance that you don't agree with just because you like a girl. Like, yeah. if, she's, if she's vegan, yeah, I'm vegan too. It's like, bro, you ain't vegan. You eat meat like every day. <laughs> like, I know. What happened, bro? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's part of being principled, also. That, that goes back to being principled, though. Yeah, yeah. Stand by your values. Like you don't, you don't yeah. have to, you don't have to, you don't have to get in her face, but you should, you know, be firm. Yeah, and don't and don't worry about it because if she disappears, who cares? You know, yeah, there's more women. <laughs> there's more women. The, the 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 same sister. I know it's the same sister. She came on my. She was saying it on my Twitter, and she was saying it on my on my YouTube. And it just gives you an example of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, you look old. I am old. I'm 46 years old. But that doesn't change the fact. The last woman I was dealing with was like exactly, I mean exactly half my age. And she wanted to get on the team. That doesn't mean anything age for me. That means something to her. So, you know, it, don't even listen. Don't even worry about women coming and going. There, there's, there's half the population in the world is women. You don't worry about that one. You know, she, oh, she's the one. And Mr. One-itis, get out of here. Anyway, <laughs> rant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Uh, so I guess this, this is a different question. Uh, you, you answered that one fine as well. Like, this segues into a bit more uh, like family, like specifically children. Like how has uh, polygyny affected your relationship with your children? Because a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he's polygynous. I bet, you know, he wouldn't be down with his daughter doing that. I bet his kids hate him. You know, like what can we like debunk some of the myths, you know, polygyny? Uh, I mean, from what I see from my sons, they really look up to me. You know, I tell them, I was like, you know, you're, you're never going to be in a monogamous. I tell them, I said, you're not monogamous. You, see, you and my family, you ain't monogamous, man. It's just they ain't in our blood. You know, they, they kind of look up to me. My daughter, um, I don't really know how, how she views it. She definitely doesn't view it in a negative light. My daughter's 18. She just turned 18. And, uh, you know, she'll come out and she'll come up every once in a while and hang out with, you know, me and my wives, you know, and everything. And, um, yeah, I've seen no negative consequences or behavior towards it in general, you know. I mean, my son's really like, like, oh, wow, you know. <laughs> my dad's got multiple women. Come on, man. You know? Respect. <laughs> Come on, man. You know, let's see what he think he's going to think. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I guess my, my question was more specifically towards your daughters, right? Uh, yeah, my, so. daughter, my daughter's totally cool. I mean, she, you know, she gets along with my wife's just fine, you know. Um, like I said, we hang out sometimes, you know, this, that, the other. Um my daughter has a room here, although she stays with her with her mother, with my ex-wife. You know, she has a room here. I mean, everything. You know, she, if there's any sort of negative behavior consequence whatsoever, I haven't seen it. You know, we had a conversation like last. I can't remember what it was with one of my wives. You know, um, with Becky. You know, like I got to call her. You know, it's nothing, man. It's, it's, uh, I've seen no negative consequences towards it whatsoever. You know, I think she also understands passively that it's like you know I accept the idea that like you know whoever she marries. Uh, that as long as he's doing right by her in terms of her Islamic, you know, rights and he's not, you know, beating her or cursing or whatever, I'm not really hearing a lot of conversation about him and polygyny, you know. You know, don't come looking to me for, <laughs> you know, for anything other than advice. Don't don't ask me to ask you 
for permission to throw your marriage under the bus, you know. But if you're looking for advice, you know, I'm going to try and help you out. I'll talk to him if he's like, if he's falling short, you know, I'm going to talk to you as my daughter. If you're, you know, if you're just overreacting, but otherwise, you know, I think, I think there's a passive understanding there with that. Okay. Know? Yeah. But I've seen no negative like behaviors whatsoever. I mean, and I grew up with her, so <laughs> I raised her. I, I, I spot, you know, alterations and changes in behaviors. And, you know, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. What about, uh, your first wife, when you're, uh, when you, I guess you acquired your second wife, how did her behavior change? Uh, I, I tend to always be upfront about polygyny. I tend to always be upfront about it. You know, um, I just tell them, you know, I'm not going to be a monogamous man. If that's what you're looking for, you need to find somebody else. Let me know right up the rip so we can let this go. You know, so from day one, um, I was, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound rude because I don't want to sound like I'm like, like, like I'm, like I'm dumping on my, on my wife, but I wasn't really interested in her. To be <laughs> well, I tried to run her off with polygyny and she, she stuck around. I was like, oh, okay, it was like that. <laughs> so then we ended up getting married, you know, and then, uh, you know, so marrying after that wasn't really much of an issue, you know? <laughs> so uh, I think that whole behavior of like, ah, I'm not really interested. It made her want me more. You know, she had the she, she had the need and the desire to validate herself to me even more. So she tried even harder. And I was like, oh, okay, if it's like that, then fine. All right, all right, let's go on, jump on board, you know. So me, I tend to the hold that, you know, you should try and be as honest and open up front as possible, you know, um about about polygyny and what you want, you know. And don't be scared, because that's part of that fortitude internally. You know, yeah. you scared. You scared the woman's gonna run off. If she's gonna run off, you weren't that guy. So why are you interested anyway? You know, right. you want that woman that wants you. She wants you. She's like she's gonna do what it takes to be on team. You know, buff beard. Yeah. At all costs. You know. Right. Why are you messing with somebody who's on anything less than that? I tried to run Ling Ling off the same way. Didn't work. You know, here she is. <laughs> like a reverse congruence test. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I would, I would imagine. Obviously, there would be like a break or uh, a break between between your first marriage and your second marriage, right? So there was some time in which you were uh, being uh, in which you were basically monogamous for some period of time, right? Yeah, but it wasn't long. Um, I, I unfortunately had a failed marriage with a, with a sister that showed like a lot of uh, BDP attributes. That's a uh, borderline personality disordered attributes. You know, she had really she had a lot of emotional uh, problems. And I ended up getting married to this sister. That was shortly after I married, uh, you know, Becky, because Becky was the first woman I married when I got to London. And um, I married a sister, you know, an Arab sister. And uh, that wasn't very long after that. And uh, yeah, that just turned out to be a nightmare situation. And then I, I left the UK and I got married again. So that was probably the biggest break about a year maybe of monogamy, something like this. Yeah. Right. Uh, I wanted to ask like, what behavioral changes did you notice between when you went monogamous, well, when you were monogamous to when you went polygynous? Uh, behaviors in the woman? Yes. They became more actively, they became more active in the bedroom. 
you know, women have competition anxiety and they always want to be queen bee. And so, you know, this is part of the whole being in shape thing. You know, um, when you got women who want to be on team Buffbeard, you know, <laughs> they're, they're going to really try and put it on you. And that day, they really up their game uh, in the bedroom in terms of uh, competition anxiety. I mean, you know, I don't know how much, you know, anyway, for those brothers out there, who, who are married to multiple women and those women want to be with you, you understand what I'm talking about. And inshallah, you get married to women who have a true and honest desire for you and you'll come to, you'll come to, you know, uh, experience this. That was one of the biggest changes is their, their khidmah, as the Arabs call it, their service to you changes. It improves, you know, she'll, she'll stop bringing you your food. Like if you're sitting on the sofa, she'll look for ways to like, you know, treat you better than normal. Right. She'll have in her head her idea, whatever it is. I don't know what it is that goes through women's minds uh, in general. Uh, what it is she thinks you're going to like. And she's going to look for that. And she's going to try and please you. And the number one place that all women know men are always going to be happy is in the bedroom. Right. They'll change other things and they'll try and improve. And they'll like, oh, would you like this? Would you like that? And they'll take a mental note. And then their behaviors will change accordingly. But the bedroom is always the first place that it shows. Uh, I wanted to ask, what about like, for example, jealousy? Mm -hmm. So wouldn't, wouldn't they become more jealous in a negative sense? Like a lot of people, I bet they would have that kind of reservation against polygyny. <sighs> I mean, I deal with jealousy, of course. I mean, the women are jealous, but there's, it's, it's very specific uh, from what I've experienced, my personal experience. Whatever jealousy they tend to deal with, they tend to deal with on their own, apparently. Um, it's not something that, like, you know, it's reflected upon me in terms of the relationship. They don't come at me with, like, congruence tests based off their jealousy. Um, but uh, there are specific instances where it's like, you know, it's an inevitability. Um, uh, I'm not sure how much detail I want to get into here. Yeah. If you're, if you're the guy they really want, it's not something you're going to deal with directly. You know, right. there'll be indirect shows of it. It'll be more passive, you know, because like they're not, they're not going to want to rock the boat. Right. But they'll against amongst each other, right. They'll probably be amongst each other. I haven't seen that personally. Um, you know, they get along fine, you know, there's, there's some problems here and there, of course, you know, individual characters, personalities, you know, some behaviors, uh, the one's always trying to be the queen bee. There's always going to be that one woman that's going to be more dominant than the other. And she's always going to try and, you know, push her will on the other one somewhere or another. That's always going to exist, but that's going to exist independent of you. That's just how, you know, like they got the entire TV series, Mean Girls or whatever it's called, you know. That's just how women are in general. Uh, it can become more um, open and apparent in a relationship, in a polygynous relationship. But uh, between themselves, in my personal experience, I haven't seen it in this particular relationship. I had serious problems with Cutter uh, when I was married to a Somali and a Kenyan. Man, that was madness. But I wasn't controlling the frame of the relationship at that time. Right. So it was, dude, I was living in chaos. They had a knife fight, bro. <laughs> what? Oh, is that where your injury's from? On your hand? Yeah, that's the, that's the, they cut me on the hand. Yeah. That, 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 that turned into a knife fight, bro. I was just, 
I didn't know what the heck was going on there, you know. So, uh, yeah. What would you do madness? <laughs> that was a bad idea anyway, man. Look at that also when you get married. Like, you know, Kenya and, and Somalia got, like, a war going on. Like, like <laughs> don't, don't marry two women from war. They're years. ready to fight. He's going to carry the battle out in your house. <laughs> yeah. We covered most things, most of everything, right, Fahad? Uh, no, actually, just a little bit more. Oh, really? What else mm-hmm. was that? So, like, from the relationships that – this is a bit personal, right? So, from the relationships that failed – uh, mm-hmm. What have you learned from those that you haven't learned from any books? Actually, everything's in the books, but most of it I learned before I got to the book. So, but basically the most prominent thing that I've learned is women are universally the same. They like, there's a, it's just biology, man. There's a, a set level of just biological uh, 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 uniformity amongst women, just like there is amongst men, that's unavoidable and unescapable. And no matter how much a woman wants to say, I'm not like other girls, just saying I'm not like other girls makes her like other girls because all other girls say that. Their behaviors overlap more than they can imagine. I married women from different continents, different ethnicities, who speak different languages. Some of them had, as an original, you know, different religions when they were, you know, before they became Muslim from white to black to Arab, you know, to to Asian. You know, I married a sister from Southeast Asia, from India. They are all the same. It's like they're given this script and they all read from the same script. Dude, they're the same. What you read about one woman works on another one. That's something that's just universal. I don't care if they're Muslim, if they're not Muslim, their behaviors overlap in ways that, that are uncomfortable for women to accept. Don't discuss it with women. They'll become offended and insulted. But that is, <laughs> but that is facts. Those, <laughs> they are the same, dude. And it's kind of, it's kind of like, it's kind of in the sunnah, but in a different way. It is like you know, uh, when the men were sitting by the roads, and they said there was something about like you know, lower your gaze, and if you find something inside yourself, then go home to your wives, because all women have something similar. It, it, it's almost like that in behaviors too. It's like it goes more than just you know what the deepest specific was talking about. It's like their behaviors are the same too. So, okay. Don't don't, don't get up you know caught up in like the whole you know oh I'm different than other girls type things. No, there's no unicorns, man. Right? Yeah. Like don't assume just because she's Muslim, she's on yeah. like she's, She'll be better, obviously, to a degree, but the behavior yeah. patterns will be the same. Exactly. Like, don't don't believe in unicorns, guys. We're we're like, we're grown up. <laughs> yeah, like attraction, yeah, attractions are still gonna be the same. Yeah. Thing. So, uh, if I just wanted me to ask you this question, uh, so what would you tell your, you know, your eighteen-year-old self, you know, or like put another way, let's put it a different way. Actually, what would you tell like right now, like Muslim man, he's in college, like what advice would you tell him, like hey, like, you know, what's, what should he focus on? Single, of course, single dudes. Single, yeah, he's not married yet. Like a lot of people say, build your stuff in your 20s, till, and then when you're 30, you have wealth and status, then get married. But you're in the prime of your life, your testosterone's high. Do you really want to get, like, get married when you're 30? Like, you, do you understand what I'm saying? I do. And this is, this is part of the problem of living in a modern world because we have like a contradiction that's going on. Yeah, I'd say build yourself, but I don't think that this is something that's exclusive 
that, that has to be done single. Build yourself. Absolutely. This is tantamount, especially in the modern world. You know, what's necessary for survival in the 21st century, of course, isn't the same of, you know, what was, you know, necessary for, actually it is that the core internal function is the same in terms of fortitude, but our skills sets are different for survival. You have to build yourself, but don't, you know, don't think that you can't, you know, get married, but don't be exclusive. If you're going to get married, I'd say like this, young men, build yourself and be dedicated and driven to it. Don't let anything throw you off of that ever get married and don't get married with the idea of exclusive monogamy. Even if that's your plan, don't let her have that idea in her head when you get married that monogamy is something that's on the table. If that's what you want to live, fine, do it. But don't let that be her idea. Don't let that, you know, be her condition of the marriage. You know, if she says, you know, oh, I need this in marriage contract, boom, walk away, keep building yourself. Someone better is going to come along because our value increases with time and with building ourselves. And building ourselves as men and women, their primary, whether they like to accept it or not, whether those white knights out there like to accept it or not, a woman's primary value is a biological one. And that degrades with time. And that sister you were looking at and looking for when she's 18 and she's all hot and everything, she's not going to be the same woman when she's 28. And you're going to come along and you're like, yo, what happened to Asuma? Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> a decade come on girl and she's gonna be looking like holy whoa yo buff beard driving that fat beamer now oh he's got that huge like amg no. mercedes you know <laughs> everybody's changed you know and you're not gonna be looking at her like you know asma 18 year old like asma 28 year old it's not gonna be the same it's not so don't worry about it because you build and increase value over time and hers decreases. So that's what I tell them young guys, stay focused, stay on your mission. And man, don't ever, ever, ever agree to monogamy, even if that's your plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like, like the, especially the monogamy part, I guess a lot of us mm -hmm. just because society were programmed to think that way. So, yeah. and I, I like what you said about don't make that, even if it is your plan, don't make that, you know clear like don't like keep those cards in because yep. if you want that lifestyle like then yeah but keep it because there's gonna come a point yeah there's gonna come a point and every man hits it where that one sister's gonna come along and you're going to be that guy to that sister and you might want to make moves all of a sudden that you didn't know you wanted to make moves 10 years ago you know because she's going to be treating you a way that your woman won't be because women get comfortable and a woman who's new and sees you as that guy, she's going to turn up the dials 100% to try and get on Team Buckbeard. She's going to be like, holy smokes, I don't care what it takes, what I got to do, I got to have this guy. And she's going to do, if she's working with you, she's going to bring you food that she cooked herself to show that she can cook. She's going to wear that hijab a certain way, that abaya, show she's got trunk or whatever else. She's going to do whatever it takes to please you and make you happy to get on mm -hmm. Team and then you're going to find one day, you're going to come on me like, yo, hold up. My girl ain't doing this stuff, man. This woman is in the office putting it on in a way that my wife isn't at home. And you're going to start mm -hmm. questioning yourself. And there's no need, there's no reason to divorce your wife at home. You yeah. Know, if you're doing yourself properly, you go ahead and pick up, you know, 
the girl in the office all <laughs> you know put her on the team yeah pretty solid advice that makes sense but is there anything else um is there anything else um what kind of qualities would you look for in a spouse for your daughter Yeah, conservative, practicing polygyny, religious, Muslim man. If, if I yeah. want to, like, yeah, if some, what would you look for? What do you pass religion? This goes back into, like I said, I can make a fighter. I, I can teach you to fight, but I can't make a fighter. Mm-hmm. Does that guy have that internal fortitude as, like, a fighter? Is he mm-hmm. that guy, you know? I have to look at this guy and see his frame as an individual. And if he has a solid, rock-solid frame, you know, or, or does he crumble type of guy? Is she getting a fighter, you know, mm-hmm. because some people are fighters and don't know how to fight. You can teach that guy how to fight and he's going to be like beast mode. And then you just have guys who know how to fight, but man, he's just, he's an utter lame. I don't want my daughter married to an utter lame. I don't want my daughter to be the next single mother. You know, I want mm-hmm. my daughter to marry a guy she's going to be attracted to and she's going to do what she can to stay in this, this high value man's orbit at any and all costs. Because mm-hmm. I want my daughter to experience the happiness and the joy of having that man in her life. And I want her to have that happiness and that joy for a long time, you know, a.k.a. hopefully until they die, inshallah. Inshallah. Okay. So, uh, I wanted to ask, like, why do, you, uh, why do parents' preferences and the child's preferences and spousal choice differ, at least in the modern day and age? I mean, like, for, for example, we have, um, at least in the Daisy community, uh, there's kind of a negative stigma on arranged marriage, right? Yeah, like, yeah. To elaborate on this question, like, women have the idea uh, that, you know, I guess it might, it might come from movies. I think guys have this too, where, you know, they think, oh, I want to be like, I want to come whisk me away, you know, sweep, sweep me off my feet kind of thing. Like, whereas... I talked about this. There's a lot of stuff going on there. You know, um, one thing is, it's like... <laughs> She doesn't trust her dad, maybe. Yeah, exactly. That I, you know, I, I don't, I really didn't want to say that actually, because <laughs> it's kind of offensive. But the reality is, some women look at their dad and they're like, "I don't know why my mom married that guy." <laughs> that sucks. You gotta be real. And I, I didn't really want to say that, but some some girls in the modern age are looking at that, and but they're not looking at the fact that arranged marriages statistically last longer. They are more solid and they last longer. You know, they're not looking at that, but they're looking at this idealistic, like, like, uh, I can't remember who just said it. One of you guys just said it like this TV Disney love and they mm-hmm. want that. That's really, this goes back to, you know, the Hadith of following the non-believers handspan by handspan, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. this is, this is an ideology from far, you know, this love for the sake of love. No, you know, it's, you, you gotta be a performer, man, you know, and there has to be that vetting process taking place by the parents, you know, just make sure that, you know, their children end up in the best possible hands in terms of their partners, you know, because we complement one another as men and women, you know, yeah. you know, even though, despite what I say here, I'm not crapping on women. I absolutely love women. That's why I got more than one, you know, but yeah. you have to deal with the realities of what we are at, in our genders, you know? And so in terms of like, why they look down on it, it's because it's sort of like, it doesn't play into the unchecked open hypergamy of Western society, you know, where she has this 
internal checklist <clears throat> of all the things a guy's got to meet. He's got to be six foot two. He's got to have a six pack. He's got to have this. He's got to have that. And he's got to make this much money. And, you know, he might have everything except the six foot two six pack, you know, and uh, but he meets all the other criteria. And in that regard, he's a really good match for the sister. But because he's, you know, like maybe an inch and a half taller than her, you know, he's like going to throw him under the bus. And that doesn't make sense. You know, parents tend to have a better perspective on the world because they're older and they've experienced the world and they see what counts and what matters, you know, if they've been living life, you know, and um, it's kind of hard to teach that to someone who's young, you know, they're living, like I said, when we were talking about guys giving you advice on marriage, they're living in ideals and they're not living off practical experience and parents live off practical experience not ideals. They've gone through that thing. But being young, you know, they say, what is what is the thing? Youth is wasted on the ignorant. So <laughs> no, uh, yeah. it's very difficult to explain that to young people and say, hey, you know what, your parents, they have your best interest in mind. You think they're going to raise you, <clears throat> you know, give you all the nice stuff as a kid, and then all of a sudden throw you under a bus when it comes to marriage? Come on, man. They'd have kicked you out of the house when you were two. You know, the moment, right, just walk and get out. Rugrat mofo you know if they really didn't care if they weren't concerned about your well-being they'd have sent you to live with your grandma or your uncle or something you know you got to trust them man they have your best interests at heart you know you may not see it you know especially the girls when it comes to arranged marriage but it's there it's there they're doing it out of care you know we may not agree but it's there would you say like a like a dad's pick for a daughter is a lot more based off of the finance, like finances rather than off of like, for example, attraction. Absolutely. He's looking at provisioning more than anything else. That's difficult for me. I'm looking, I'm looking for a husband for my daughter right now. I've met a few guys, you know, and it's like trying to find that balance and that combination is very difficult to find a brother who's like, you know, on a pathway to like being in a decent, you know, stable career financially and economically. And he's taking care of himself. Bro, the combination is rare. It's, yeah. it's rare, you know, it's very, very difficult to find, you know, because even even a guy who's taking care of himself physically, it says a lot about his mentality. That a guy gets up, goes to the gym, works out after going to school and whatever else, you know, that takes a special type of mentality. You know, this is it may be more common nowadays, but you see the difference even in physiques between guys that work out, you know, and guys who work out. And there's that guy who pushes himself and punishes himself in the gym and it shows in his physique. And then he's at, you know, school at the same time, you know, and then maybe he's working a side job here or there or working on something online. Yeah. Finding that type of guy, you find those type of guys in the like, you know, late twenties to early thirties, but it's like, you know, in my daughter's age range, you know, she's 18. Dude. You know, it's very difficult to find that, you know, most men do just look for the financial because it's the easiest thing to spot. If it was about making money, I could find it. I could throw a rock and hit a guy for my daughter to marry tomorrow. Why hit four guys with one rock, you know? It hit four dudes before it hits the ground. You know, and that's what most guys look for. Because nobody wants the idea that my daughter's going to get married and she's going to struggle. She's going to be living in poverty. All right, yeah, that's important. Yeah. So you're looking for piety. You're looking for finances. These are the yeah, attraction for his daughter. Yeah. And attraction as well. Yeah, attraction, yeah. Generally, if a guy's just doing what he's supposed to be doing in terms of having an internal mission, you know, he's, he's, he's got his mission, 
he's going to generally be attractive because that's going to be a guy who who is trying to practice his religion. He's doing something in terms of building himself financially and psychologically, intellectually, and he's taking care of his body. He, he's automatically going to have the prerequisites, you know. Right. And that's rare. I can imagine. Uh, Omar, do you have any final questions? Mm, I think we co- I think you covered everything. We asked, probably hit everything. Yeah. Seems pretty good. Maybe. Uh, actually, no, this is a final one. This is like more uh, SJW flavored, right? Um, right. We, we all know how oppressed you are in society, right? So, uh, what are some of the issues that you face in the community as a result of your polygynous lifestyle? I haven't really faced any problems, actually, to be honest. Um, if anything, I get a lot of high fives. When I was a cutter, <laughs> 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 seriously. The moment I left Qatar, everybody was like, "Wow, nice, bro, really." You know, but like otherwise, no. Um, <laughs> I haven't really faced too many problems. Sisters will freak out about it, you know, sometimes. But eh, I'm not looking for them type of sisters, you know. But um, generally, no, I haven't really faced anything in terms of problems, you know. Um, one of the bigger problems I faced in general in terms of polygyny and getting married is, um, you'd be surprised. And I don't want to make it a big topic, you know, because I don't want to crap on my people. The Muslims are my people, but we got a lot of racism in the community Mm -hmm. and uh, being an African American, you know, revert, man, it's like, (laughs) you talk about pulling the wrong cards. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, gangster, huh? I'm like, yo, I actually had a dude say that to me to sit down. Oh, you're a gangster, huh? I'm like, I ain't no gangster, man. He's like, oh, you used to be. I'm like, dude, I grew up upper middle class, man. My dad was an aircraft engineer. And my mom was an accountant. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I know about the hood as much as you do, dude. I watched it on, on, on YouTube and whatever else, just like you. What are you talking about? So it's just. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't... Oh, my God. I can't believe that happened. <laughs> dude, I'm straight up. Are you joking? I can't believe you called you gangster. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, really, that's about the biggest problem I've ever faced. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know um, nah, man, brothers generally are like, you know, quite happy about it. You find that some brothers will actually just like, they'll either duck you entirely because they're afraid of, uh, you know, that their wife's going to find out that they're hanging out with a guy who's polygynous, you know, and he's going to have to deal with hell at home. So <laughs> what I'm doing, which make that make sense to me. You know, or you find dudes want to hang out and get info, you know, so. <laughs> right here. <laughs> yeah. Intel. So otherwise, you know, there's, there's, there's not really much of an in-between, I've noticed. Right. Yeah. Uh, have you watched, uh, there's this one show that Amar started watching. Yeah, I started watching this show. I mean, shows, it's not good to watch shows, but there's a show called uh, Big Love. So it was about, no, uh, so it's about a Mormon guy with like three wives and three houses. Okay. So I was just watching the show to get like some really, basically see how the dynamic works it was pretty interesting um, well, I, haven't, you know, I haven't watched tv in a while yeah but like it yeah, just reminded me i'll check it out yeah, that yeah. sounds interesting it's, it's pretty it's pretty interesting yeah. but he's not like like he's red pill like mostly but then there's some issues the show becomes it becomes it goes blue pill like after season two like his huh. third wife becomes like an entrepreneur and like it, it gets weird these like these they make everything like they make their shows like di- like dirty and then some weird stuff happens like uh, like his son start, his son is like 18 starts getting attracted to his third wife oh lord like, like weird stuff like that like 
I mean, season like, one or two are good. You should probably like look at the season one. And, wow, uh, I'm like, whoa. But you know, I, I I know a brother man. He got married. <clears throat> he's my age too. He's forty. Uh, he's forty six. He got married to a twenty year old, and uh, his son is like seventeen now. And his son is like, you know, he's got the hots for his wife. He actually, mashallah, married a pretty hot sister. And <laughs> and when he married his wife, she was nineteen. And uh, you know, they're happy as you know. I think the saying is a pig in a pen. You know, they're they're, they're quite happy with one another, mashallah. But uh, yeah, he had that issue, or his son. Um, you know, found some attraction to his wife. They're like very close in age, closer in age to each other than you know. That's so weird. That's, yeah, that's a bit strange. I'll be, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit like whoa, man, what the? I mean, but you know, mashallah, the brother's got good frame. He, he actually brought me on to like you know a lot of material that I read. So this brother's like you know, I'm being like solid. No, no, I'm not saying it's weird about him. It's weird that it, like. Bro, you're looking at your dad's girl. It's kind of weird, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, yo, it's like, yo, it's your dad's. It's like, <laughs> what the heck? Oh, yeah. I, I got stories, man. I ain't even going to throw him under the bus. I love him to death. He's my dad. My dad's not Muslim. But when I married this girl, man, this girl was like a supermodel, man. I ain't even joking. This girl was high. She, you know, mashallah. My dad started trying to hit on her, man. <laughs> no, I, wait, but you, is your dad Muslim? What's that? Your dad's not Muslim, though, right? Wow, he's not Muslim, but I was just like, man, I was so offended, man. I was like, hey, what? <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, is there? Uh, Don't is forget yourself. You know, that's the, that goes back to being principal. Don't forget yourself, man. Yeah, you know, of course. Girl, I'm just like, oh, my son, turn it up. I'm gonna have to go get me a hot one now. I'm like, oh, you think you you're gonna show up the master? Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> We'll pull a hat trick out on my son. I ain't gonna hit on his girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Do you have? Uh, uh, I think this is a good place to stop. We covered everything. Do you have anything else you want to say, Abu American? Like maybe where we can reach, where people can reach you if they want to reach out. Uh, maybe I am on else? all. I am on all social media. As uh, you can at Abu American. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. There's probably more than that. I've like registered on multiple sites. You know, multiple times, multiple places at Abu American, but you can catch me at Abu American almost anywhere, including Telegram. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in hitting and hollering at me, you know, um, just put in at Abu American, one word, and you'll find me. Do you offer yeah. any uh, coaching or any relationship consulting? Yeah, I do actually. I do one-to-ones with guys. Um, it takes a lot of time because I got to dig through a lot of information. Some of it sometimes is quite personal and guys, you know, get kind of, don't get kind of iffy or whatnot, but uh, I can't do one-to-ones. But unfortunately, you know, <laughs> I hate to say this. I really do. I don't like saying it. You're going to have to PayPal me for time, guys, if you come at me because it takes a lot of time. And um, sometimes I'm sitting here next to my wife and she, my wife wants my attention and I'm working with dudes through their problems. And it's just really a crappy thing to do to my family, you know, and there's no benefit you know, in, in, in the terms of like, you know, myself and, you know, developing myself and trying to accomplish mm-hmm. gold, you know, so you can reach me. I'm open. I'm available, but, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want guys wasting my time. So I now make guys pay because you got some guys that'll just waste your time. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. arguing with online, you know, it's, it's good to keep the short, sharp, the sword sharp, but people will waste your time. So yeah, you can catch me on telegram at Apple American. If you got a personal issue, just hit me up. I'm not asking you to hit me up with like 10,000 pounds or something, whatever else, but just enough. So it's like, you're not going to waste my time and I'm not going to waste your time. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Uh, solid. Is there anything else, Bahad? 
uh, catch me at, at American Zabiha. <laughs> American Zabiha. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess I'll plug in my Twitter as well. Uh, Mar underscore AMK. That's my Twitter. If you want to send me fan mail or hate mail. <laughs> uh, like, yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, coming out of American. We highly appreciate it. I know it was a day off and you probably wanted to chill. Uh, really appreciate this. Yeah, honestly, it's not a lot fair. And, uh, like this, uh, oh, yeah. It's good. Like it's gonna benefit so many young, unmarried, and married Muslim men. Inshallah. <laughs> Glad to be here. Hope, hope I was clear on some of the answers there. Sometimes I rant, you know, I go on these rants. So, <laughs> all the better, all the better. Honestly, thank you so much. It's uh, very kind of you to take the time out of your morning and uh, speak with us. Mahmushka, no problem. Yeah. All right, so I guess we're Father and I are signing off. Assalamualaikum. Yep. Assalamualaikum. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.